welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. This show really is about living a conscientious life, whether that means you paying attention to the food you eat or how you interact with others or how much you partake in your community or serve an important cause, either as a career or as a volunteer, or how much you can listen to your body and your partner. However you define a conscientious life, we try to invite and ask you and ourselves really every week with every episode of An Organic Conversation what it might mean to you to live a life well lived. Today we are venturing into the world of personal growth in a conversation about the intersection of faith, psychology and spirituality. A journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology, our topic in this hour, with a wonderful guest who is a scholar of and expert on Jungian analysis. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg. And Sitarani Palomar. So before we dive into what is going to be a very rich and reflective conversation, a little something offbeat, maybe. I was in the car the other day, and I was listening to um, a radio show host who was talking about something called phantom vibration syndrome, which apparently is the experience of feeling your phone vibrating in your pocket when in actuality, it's not. <laughs> and it got us thinking about the impact that tech has had on our lives. Helga, you have experienced some nights of pseudo insomnia after sitting on your computer, or your iPad until 11 or later. Fully knowing that uh, the light that is emitted through a computer or laptop is like daylight. So mm -hmm. you're kind yeah, of resetting your internal clock Uh, if you are, I mean, I don't even know what the consequences are long term, if you really spend hours and hours and hours on your computer night or day, uh, season, does the sunlight change? Absolutely. Does the computer light change? No, never. It's just interesting. Yeah, I, I could not sleep after working until 11 at night, which I shouldn't have to begin with. But sometimes that's what we do. And I could not sleep all night. I could not fall into that deeper feeling of, of really actually zoning off. I was just laying there as if I had four cups of coffee. I didn't worry. I didn't think about much, but I just couldn't fall asleep. So whether that was the computer or not, I don't know, but I'm sure there will be studies soon. And hearing this, what is it called again? Phantom Vibration Syndrome. And we, we talked with a couple of friends here at the studio where this show is produced, and they were saying, yeah, I had that and actually had to turn my vibrator off on my phone because I had it all the time and half the time it was not right. <laughs> oh and so God. I'm still feeling it. Now I know, though, that it's off. So wow. it's really just my imagination. Well, well, that was, is so crazy. It was interesting, too, because the, the radio show host who was talking about this in their morning show program was saying that this is, she said, you know, when you have your phone in your pocket and it starts to vibrate, you think it's vibrating. And this has not been something that has occurred for me because I've never carried my phone in my pocket. Mm. I always carry it in my handbag. So I have a little bit of distance. And anyway, it's just interesting how our lives change in these subtle but then over time very pervasive ways and i know helga you are recalling well, what well it's just for me in the 50s or 60s it was rock and roll and we were all you know had to find a relationship <laughs> to it and now it's computer tech oh no i'm kidding half but yeah we have seen an unprecedented 
evolution in technology and the way our lives are changing and handwriting seems like such a novelty and oh, yeah. for us of course we can still all handwrite but if it is a novelty for us to get a handwritten letter imagine 30 years from now it's totally possible to imagine a society where handwriting is no longer being taught because why would you and even keyboards there are many friends that I have male friends who just one finger a minute you know write on the keyboard and at this point learning that might not be the most efficient because voice recognition systems huh. are advancing at such a degree that in just really just a handful of years, we will dictate most letters and all of our you know, tasks on our, our, on our devices. So that is, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because we, with this explosion of, of computer technology, I don't think we as a society have learned to find a healthy relationship with it. Usually mm. things come up first and then we learn how to deal how with to them, and integ it. integrate them, mm -hmm. exactly, and how to find our boundaries, reestablishing new boundaries to some, something that didn't exist before. So I know a few episodes back, Sita, you were talking about a very productive approach. It was really about productivity, but it, it has expanded now into personal protection for me. There's this notion of check your email in the morning and then maybe one more time at three or two and then maybe one more time at the end of the day. And otherwise, don't go there. Don't check your email. Don't. Don't even look at it because you could just be an email slave. And many of us are really just being kind of a routing station. What these people were that put telephone cables into the wall to connect people when telephone first came out. I feel like we really, to a pretty extensive degree, have become the carrier of our technological advances. Like we're, we're just filling in what is needed. I mean, it's, it's so common to pick up your phone in the morning before you kiss your partner and check you know, what your Facebook status is and your oh email. And, and maybe that's extreme and maybe, maybe I'm extreme. Maybe it's not. <laughs> and maybe it's not. And so this is a great invitation and opportunity to look at your relationship to everything and including and very much so to technology and see where what are you doing? And, How I would say I would say at the, at the very you know at the very least <clears throat> you can amp up your relationship to organic things and I'm not just talking about organic food but I'm talking about getting outside in nature and with the people in your life the other day our associate producer had said you know I'm going to be off my computer for the rest of the afternoon but I'll be back later this evening I just have to take advantage of the sunshine and it was an uncommonly unexpectedly sunny warm day and I was like right on you know this is somebody who works for this world that we are talking about all the time, appreciating the natural world. And she said, it's sunny and I'm going to make sure to take advantage of that and we'll, I'll be working later. And I really appreciated that because it just seemed to me like values were in place. Yeah, and you can talk to your phone. You can say, you know, I'm going to put you here on the counter. I'm going to go for a walk for an hour or two and I you'll deliberately, be okay you'll I... be fine. I'll, I'll, I'll come back in a couple hours. Don't worry. There's, you know, food and water in the fridge. You know, it's all automatic. You already know how to access it, I'm sure. And I'll be back and take the advantage and the risk of walking for two hours in nature without any device on you. It feels so amazing and very empowering. So <laughs> that's, okay, a, that's the Actually, that's not so moment, far actually. off from our topic, really, no. balancing the inner and the outer world. That's what we're talking about today. Yes, the relationship between faith and psychology, a journey to wholeness. In this hour of an organic conversation with a wonderful guest, a Jungian analyst, who is really keen on that topic. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sita Rani Palmer. But before, as always, here is Sita's update from the world of health and beauty. Sita Rani Palmer, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. 
Well, last week I talked about a DIY shampoo, do-it-yourself shampoo. And this week I want to talk about the, the balance, the counterpart, the balance to the DIY shampoo, which is the DIY conditioner. And actually it's apple cider vinegar rinse. Nothing but apple cider vinegar and water. And apple cider vinegar, which is an alkaline substance in the body when you consume it, is actually slightly acidic outside of the body. And our hair, like our skin, has a slightly acidic pH. So using an apple cider vinegar rinse periodically will help to condition and protect and strengthen and soften your hair. And it is just about the simplest thing that you can do. I take an old conditioner bottle that I've used up that's completely empty, and I combine one part apple cider vinegar with about three parts water. Some people do two parts, some people do four parts. It's really, it's up to personal preference to some extent. And also just keeping in mind that this is a very acidic substance on your hair and you want to be mindful of that. So after you've rinsed out whatever shampoo you're using to wash your hair, you pour this apple cider vinegar solution into your hair, let it sit for a couple minutes and then rinse it thoroughly. And as a tip, because people talk about this as a really smart and easy, simple solution. And some people have said, well, what about the smell of apple cider lingering in your hair? One of the best ways to avoid that is do it on the length of your hair and not so much on your scalp. If you have long hair like a woman would. With men, I don't think it lingers so much because they don't have as much hair to hold on to the product. But make sure you rinse it really, really, really thoroughly. And then if you if you are still a little bit concerned about the smell of apple cider vinegar, add some essential oils. There are a lot of really lovely aromas. You can custom blend your own. We've got on our website a, a simple blog about how you can do this with some of our favorite essential oil combinations, one that's a very feminine and one that's a very masculine combination, and just have fun with it, making something that's inexpensive, that's healthy, that's uh, sustainable, and let us know how it turns out for you. That's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. And yeah, I use it myself. I know you made it for me, uh, both the baking soda wash and then the apple cider vinegar rinse. And I don't wash my hair every day anyway. I don't think it needs that. And so, you know, every two, three, four days, it feels amazing. And what I love about all those tips, as I've said many times on the air, it costs next to nothing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We can spend $20, $30 or more on good skin or hair products and this absolutely does the job and it's as clean as it comes. So thank you for that weekly reminder to go back to basics. That's Sita Rani Palomar, Chef Sita and her holistic bite. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic in this hour is a journey, a journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology. There's a cross-section that we all experience in one way or another when we live a conscientious life, whatever that means to us. Paying attention to our food or to our neighbor or to our body, we will dive into the area where faith psychology and spirituality intersect. That's what's coming up with a wonderful guest right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. 
We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. A journey to wholeness is the one we're taking in this hour. A journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology. This show is really about living a conscientious life, whether that means you paying attention to your food every day, what you eat, where you shop, how you interact with others, or how you listen to your body, your neighbor, or your partner. We're venturing into the world of personal growth to increase that sense of conscientious life in a conversation today about the intersection of faith, psychology, and spirituality. And with us now, joining us from Austin, Texas, is Pittman McGeehee, Episcopal priest and Jungian analyst, who is also the co-leader of the Inner Journey Retreat, and we will explore what that means throughout the hour. Pittman, are you with us? I'm right here. <laughs> great. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Pittman. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Sheeta. How are you? I'm great. Very happy to have you on the air and have you talk about this unique combination of experiences that you bring into the world. You are you are an author, a lecturer, a psychotherapist, an Episcopal priest, and you lead these personal growth courses that are based in Jungian psychology. I'd love to have you tell us how you see these worlds, particularly that of faith and psychology, supporting a person's self-discovery. I'd be glad to do that. You know, there are four cornerstones to the human organism. We are bio, psycho, social, spiritual beings. One of the things that uh, led me to my Jungian studies and eventually to train and get a diploma as a Jungian analyst was Jung's statement that the zeitgeist, which is German for the spirit of the time, is that we need to reclaim the religious nature of the psyche and spirituality as a resource for health and wholeness. That's what my interest is, is to help people uh, develop a psycho-spiritual worldview. That's not to say exclusive of biosocial, the other two of the four quadrants. Bio has to do with paying attention to our bodies, uh, owning our bodies, loving our bodies, uh, realizing that the body is a psyche in three dimensions. Paying attention to our social life has to do with work and love and uh, the importance of the social network. So those are not exclusive because if you're doing good, sound, psycho-spiritual work, it enhances your body and your health and your relationships. So on these quadrants of bio, psycho, social, spiritual, you spin it fast enough and they become indistinguishable. Spiritual, physical, anything you're doing that's for your body, yoga, Pilates, massage therapy is helping your soul. Uh, anything you're doing it's spiritual exercise uh, eventually helps with your physical health. So I think you get the point that we are um, psycho-spiritual beings, and so paying attention to uh, spirituality is very important, 
and it's not to be equated with either doctrinal, dogmatic, or institutional religion. Those do house the sacred stories and the sets of symbols that may be resources for our journey, but one doesn't have to necessarily uh, ascribe to any doctrinal or dogmatic religion in order to be spiritual. Jung said that the psyche is religious by nature because the etymology of the word religion comes from the Latin legare, which means to connect or bind. Where we get the word ligament. So re legare is religion. So the religion is putting things back together that have been estranged or fractured. So the religious nature of the psyche is that it seeks wholeness. Now, those classical sacred stories and myths and symbols and sacraments are sort of resources for our journey or putting us back together. So in some ways, uh, spirituality and psychology differ. In other ways, they're the same. It's really beautiful to hear that practice and theory or explanation, rather, because we've been on the air for five years now. And without having explicitly stated what you just were able to put in a three, four minute synopsis, this is why we exist as a radio show. We are talking about organic food and then we have a show on listening the next week. And for us, it internally is the exact same conversation, whether you pay attention mm -hmm. to flavor and to biodiversity and to diversity on your plate and local farms and that whole world of rather physical. Uh, it is as important to be a good listener to to appreciate and explore nature with a conscientious mind and and your neighbor and conversations and your reaction to things. So do you think it is possible to become a fully integrated being by leaving one of these aspects out? Meaning, if you don't pay attention to your food, and it doesn't really matter what you put in your body, basically, if you don't pay attention to your physical appearance on this planet, it doesn't matter how well versed you are in these other three areas, if, if the complexity of a human being are those four cornerstones. Well, I think you're exactly right. William Blake said that the The senses are the inlets of the soul. And so to taste and touch and smell and see, uh, somebody said to me uh, one time, well, Pippin, the way you talk, you, you uh, <laughs> talk like cooking is a religious experience. And I said, well, it is divine. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate so, to that. <laughs> so, yeah, the, what we put in our bodies uh, has a great deal uh, to say about how we feel about our bodies, how we feel about ourselves, how we honor and respect ourselves or don't. And so, uh, as I was saying earlier, you reiterated, at some point, I don't know. Where one there stops. Are many, there are many kinds of soul food. Uh -huh. hmm. Whatever feeds your soul. <laughs> right. And it's hard to distinguish where one stops and the other begins. That's as, correct. As you said, because if... if well, look, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm an Episcopal priest, and the single act of worship for Anglicans or Episcopalians, is a meal. You know, I've often said in the church we make very sophisticated, you know, sacramental theology, but in fact what the church offers is a bath and a meal, baptism and Eucharist. And the central act of worship is the community coming together for a meal and to uh, invoke the presence of the transcendent or the holy or the divine or the sacred, the mysterious, the meaningful, all those different ways of talking about what we expect to experience in that meal together. It's Eucharist. Eucharist means Thanksgiving. We're offering Thanksgiving. So anyway, I'm not making a sermon about trying to promote Christian theology. What I'm saying is that my tradition, my tribe, eats together. 
You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. <laughs> and Helga Helberg is so fascinated by the conversation that I completely uh, I had to throw that little break in our station ID. But um, I'm, I'm with you. Pitman McGee, our guest today. You also co-lead uh, retreats that explore and expand one's worldview. It's called the Inner Journey Retreats. Can you share some of the practices that you focus on at the retreats that enrich one's relationship to self? be glad to. Uh, that retreat originated by a corporate coach and an organizational development specialist who runs collaborative operating systems. And Rachel Connerly heard me speak at Duke Divinity School. And she thought that her corporate clients really needed to be a little more explicit and a little more conscious about spirituality in the workplace or spirituality in their, in their professional lives as well as their personal lives. So uh, she asked me if I were, if she put a retreat together, would I come and speak? And that, that began this uh, series of retreats we've done. I think we've done 10 of them or 11. And what we do at the treat is, retreats essentially is that I try to teach what the structure and dynamic of the psyche is and what Jung called the process of individuation and what are the aspects and phases and stages of the process of individuation. What are the resources that are available to us in order to individuate, and to become that healthy, whole, authentic, true, autonomous human being that you were created to be, and that life really is about becoming who you were created to be. As I'm fond of saying, it's your conception. There was a concept, <laughs> and you are to become that which you were created to be, and so we talk about the structure and dynamics of the psyche and uh, how the psyche really works according to analytical psychology, depth psychology, or union study. In addition to that, we do dream work. We pay attention to dreams and have uh, uh, dream interpretation. We, uh, we watch movies and see how the archetypes make themselves known in contemporary literature, like the movie. You know, the contemporary myths are probably in the movies. You look at the Star Wars trilogy and you have a, a contemporary myth. And it's looking at one of the archetypes. Darth Vader is the dark father. Psychologically, that has to do with a negative father complex. Shame, guilt, inadequacy, all those things that come from the negative father. So we pay attention to that. We exercise, uh, we laugh, and we play, and we share meals, and have plenty of time for journaling and alone time. Uh, so it's a, it's a retreat that is pretty inclusive of bio, psycho, social, and uh, spiritual and for more information, people can go to IJ Retreat, IJ Retreat, Inner Journey Retreat, IJRetreat.com. Also, for more information on our guest today, Pittman McGeehee, the co-leader of those retreats is J. Pittman McGeehee, Mac without A, just M-C-G-E-H-E-E.com. Pittman McGeehee, an author, lecturer, psychotherapist, Episcopal priest, and Jungian analyst. Talk about the quadrant of complexity and completeness. Certainly, <laughs> you are embodying that. Pittman, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with so many more questions, including the one you just touched on. Young refers to a process of inner growth as the process of individuation. We want to hear more about that. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hilbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned.
Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our focus in this hour is a journey, a journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology with an amazing guest, a Jungian analyst who is also a Episcopal priest, a therapist, a lecturer, and an author, and the co-presenter at the Inner Journey Retreats. That's ijretreat.com, multiple times throughout the year, a retreat for personal growth. Pittman, earlier in our conversation, you were talking about these four cornerstones of, of our, our life and our being, of this, the social and the bio, the psycho and the spiritual. And as I heard you describe each of them, I was getting a sense that the bio and the social tend to be the way we are in the world externally, and the psycho and the spiritual being the way that we are internally in the world. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I'd be glad to, and I think that's very insightful. You know, the the thing that we have to be careful about is that when we make these distinctions, we tend to think that they're distinct, mm. and they're not. We just have to make distinctions that are not distinct, if mm-hmm. that makes any paradoxical sense. So that I've never had a soul come into my office apart from a body. So we embody our souls. And so it's the external sort of representation, as I said earlier, the psyche, the body is a psyche in three dimensions. Uh, the Rolfers who uh, can say that they can tell uh, when, by watching somebody walk away from them something about their internal makeup because of the way they carry their body. So uh, body is the outward and visible sign of the inward uh, spirit. And then our work and our love, our relationships, our networks, are their external lives, but they they also are influenced by our interiority, and they affect our interiority, so they, once again, are not distinct, but we just make a distinction. So I think it's insightful to say that if we talk about a biopsychosocial spiritual being, that the biosocial tend to be the outer world, and the uh, psychospiritual tend to be the inner world. 
Well, for me, I, th- I think the thing that jumped out about it was because I've had the great fortune of attending a couple of these inner journey retreats. And I feel like the way that I move about the world on a daily basis prior to going to the retreats was very much bio and social focused. At least that's where my consciousness was, was that I was very bio and social focused. But it was really through the practices that you talked about right before we went on break at the inner retreat that got me to start looking at the psycho and the spiritual to develop a more a more rich inner world. I want to go into the topic of individuation. You are a Jungian analyst. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that term, since that has come up a few times throughout the hour? Individuation is a term Jung used for the process of development of personality, and that we are to become individuals. I mean, Jung said our job is not to make, he's talking about uh, psychoanalysis or the job of the psychoanalyst, that our job is not to make people normal. Our job is to make them authentic. Uh, so rather than adapting and conforming to some normative, adaptive, conformed life, we are to become that true, authentic, autonomous individual that we were created to be. And so uh, individuation is about Pittman becoming Pittman. When I get to heaven, God's not going to say, Pittman, why weren't you more like Christ? He's going to say, Pittman, why weren't you more like Pittman? So it's, it's my job of individuation to become Pittman. Uh, now, that individuation is never done in isolation. That's why we talk about uh, community and guides and companions and uh, support, uh, network, all those kind of things, because the paradox of individuation is <laughs> I alone must become myself, and I cannot become myself alone. So we live in that paradox, and so the only person who's ever had the job of being Pittman is me. But I can't do that without mirrors, people helping guide me, support me, my analyst, my spiritual director, my spouse, my friends, uh, my children. All those help me try to see what it means to be truly me. So the process of individuation is what we're about uh, in life. And... Uh, We're moving toward, it's a journey toward wholeness. Wholeness is not to be confused with perfection. Wholeness is the inclusiveness of all that we are and making us whole. So our goal is to become whole, which is the ultimate goal of health. And wholeness has to do a lot with uh, having a balanced biopsychosocial spiritual life. Yeah, it would have been my next question where the outside world comes into that because we, we you know we hear about a spiritual path, uh, which is only one aspect of of a complete being. But you know, being in in solitude for multiple years, or literally sitting in a cave for a decade and then coming out, and maybe that was necessary to develop that fourth part of the quadrant for that being in this lifetime. But what you're saying is practicing the individuation within all aspects of society through your food and through your, your neighbors and the loved ones and your friends and family and even, maybe even or especially, I would assume, the people you don't get along with because that's where we often confirm to some trained behavior that is really not us, whatever that means. But it's really the world at large, the things we love and surround ourselves with, and even including the things we don't. Is that, is that too much of a stretch? Or No, I think that's accurate. 
there's this concept of worldview that comes in um, with the inner journey retreats. It's something that you alluded to a little bit earlier. And as you're talking about the importance of relationship in the outer world, I wonder what is the role of understanding or expanding your worldview so that you have the ability, the capability, the resources to reach your potential? Well, as I've said, uh, um, we need guides and we need companions. We need people to mirror for us uh, whether we seem to be on the mark or not about our authenticity. But also, we need to develop our own personal consciousness. So in this worldview that we talk about in the spiritual journey, becoming conscious is a very important part of the process of individuation. And by becoming conscious, we mean aware of what's going on in the unconscious. It almost seems, once again, paradoxical, because the problem with the unconscious is that it's not conscious. But we can bring that unconscious content into consciousness by paying attention to dreams, by paying attention to the complexes that we get in and out of, by paying attention to sacred stories or myths or fairy tales that reveal the nature of human beings and being human. So. One of the requirements for a worldview of individuation or one of the requirements for individuation in this worldview is to become conscious, become aware, and to pay attention. So that, that's uh, what's important in this, this worldview. And, and once again, the word worldview in the German is Weltanschauung, and that does, it means more than just a, a philosophy or a theology. It means how do you out of what set of symbols and out of what criteria do you live your life? And how do you make your decisions? How do you make your choices? How do you create your behavior? We ought to be able to answer that for ourselves, and that's what our worldview is. It's very fun to hear <laughs> those German words spoken by uh, you, Zeitgeist and Weltanschauung. Yeah, uh, it's, I don't, I don't it's pronounce Weltanschauung very well. Cause I'm from Oklahoma. You, you do, actually. It's totally, it's totally correct. Weltanschauung und Zeitgeist, wonderful. We are speaking with Pittman McGee, the author, lecturer, therapist, Episcopal priest, and personal growth retreat leader, among being a Jungian analyst. Pittman, if people wanted to, if they are hooked by now, of course, listening to an organic conversation, <laughs> uh, where can people dive into this more? Are there a couple of recommendations that you have, a good book to start uh, or a practice or both to find that individuation process to come to a more whole uh, self or, or really an authentic self? Yeah, well, you know, you could read Primary Source, which is to read Jung. And if you're going to read Jung, uh, the first book I would suggest reading is his autobiography, which is called Memories, Dreams, Reflections. In that, he lays out not only his own process of individuation, how he arrived at his theoretical model. So I would recommend re reading Primary Source. A lot of secondary source out there. Robert Johnson is a great secondary source. Begin by reading his autobiography, which is called Balancing Heaven and Earth. James Hollis, my dear friend and colleague, has written extensively on Young. John A. Sanford has written, uh, particularly Sanford on Dreams, the book that seems to be sort of most indicative of what we've been talking about here today is my book uh, called The Invisible Church, Finding Spirituality Where You Are. And all, all that, of course, more information on Pittman McGee is available on his website. That's J. Pittman, P-I-T-T-M-A-N, 
McGehe is M-C-G-E-H-E-E.com, jpittmanmcgehe.com. And if people are interested in checking out an inner journey retreat, I know there are a couple coming up. Where will they be and will you be attending those? I will be attending those. One is going to be held at Bishop's Ranch, which is in California, a gloriously beautiful setting and um, a, a wonderful retreat center. It happens to be an Episcopal retreat center. And uh, then the second one is at Canuga Conference Center, which is in western North Carolina, also a beautiful uh, setting for a retreat. If you go to uh, ijretreat.com, which is a website, it has all the information about the Inner Journey Retreat, and also you can register through the website. One in April, one in May coming up. One in April, one in May, that's correct. West Coast in April, East Coast in May. Wonderful, coast Correct. to coast. Thank and I you. will be about the those, yes. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Glory. Again, that's <laughs> ijretreat.com for more information on the Inner Journey retreats. Thank you so much, Pittman. What a joy to have you on and go on that journey, how, albeit very short, but a great little dive into that world that you live and work in so diligently. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Really, our pleasure. We barely scratched the surface, but I feel like every time I hear you speak, my own worldview has expanded tremendously. So thank you, Pittman. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Talk well, to you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And what's coming up is a journey to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> the update from what's going on on the produce dock, what's in season is next. Stay tuned. We'll take a quick break. We're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. A journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology with an amazing guest, Pittman McGeehee. Wow, that's a well-rounded career and the aspects he covers. You have attended a in a journey retreat. Or two, actually. Two. Yeah. What What else when you say we, of course, in this hour, we can only scratch the surface. Um, that's our job to make people aware of what's happening and what's going on and what, what is available. But talk a little bit more, <laughs> about more. It's like three to four days overnight. Yeah, well, it, it so it depends. They've got the introductory inner journey, and then they have a more advanced inner journey for people who've been through the first one. So the introductory is about three to four days. I think it's it's three nights and four days when you account for the evenings and the mornings where you have you have lectures. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it's a lot of, you know, basically the 20 minutes you heard Pittman speak are just the first 20 minutes of the retreat. He goes into so much more depth. I mean, there's – 
there's so much more. He talked about archetypes. He just used the word archetypes and didn't even dive into what that meant. And there's so much to be gained from And you practice, right? Like in the morning, you well, dream journal and sure, you, yeah. you share just with like your group. You and Optionally, you don't have to share anything you don't want. It's sure. really about developing a practice that you have that's sacred to you that you can practice alone. Just, just It's called the inner journey retreat so that we strengthen our own inner journey and how we take that out into the world and apply it to become the people that we're meant to be. So so that's the that's the intro format. And then the advanced format is a little bit longer. It's about five days. And you you dive more deeply into a specific topic, whether it's a topic on complexes, which is something that he talked about, or if you look at the shadow side, which is, you know, getting into the archetypes, like he said, um, it, Darth Vader is the dark father as far as a, a shadow archetype, and how those things present in us and how we and how we act them out and just bringing more consciousness to that. So I do know that um, they're doing two introductory retreats on, on both the West Coast and the East Coast this year. And on the East Coast, they're also having an advanced retreat. So if, if you've been through this before and you're looking to deepen your own practice and understanding of and concept of psychology, particularly from the Jungian perspective, and it's it's really worth reading into. I can't say enough good things about what it's done for my life. <laughs> Great. IJretreat.com. Thank you, Sita. Switching gears now for a fresh look at the produce dog, the update from what's going on in the world of carrots and mangoes and such. Here is what's in season. And with us, as always, of course, the voice of the San Francisco produce market of a own friend. Can you say that? I don't know. <laughs> Earl Herrick from Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, are you with us? Hello, Tita. Hello. Hello, hello. I am here. <laughs> Our very own friend. I, I, we just had a journey. Our very own friend, yes. <laughs> We just had a show on, on an interview about the journey to wholeness, the relationship between faith and psychology, and I'm so still in mm. that process, I guess, that wow. I was stumbling yeah. with words there. Yeah. And one of the one of the four aspects of self, body, spiritual community, and mind is body. And we actually talked about organic food and how much how important it is to really nourish your physical self the the you know the way you appear on this planet for this duration and that of course leads us to you what's in season thanks for the update of the produce dog from the produce dog of the most seasonal items tweener time yes or no it's always kind of a tweener time but we're just we're just getting tiny toe-wise into spring, right? What are, what are we seeing yeah. right now? What is this time about? Well, definitely the temperatures are, are, are rising. Uh, we're getting some pretty nice weather, some, some sprinkles on and off. And the, the season's changing from the desert in Mexico up into the more uh, regional aspects where if you're out in California or wherever, you know, as it warms up, uh, the, the crops start producing. And one of the crops that's around pretty much year-round, and something that we, we, don't, we haven't talked so much about on what's in season is garlic. Oh, nice. Mm. And, and, you know, garlic is, well, it's, it's had its heyday. It's been around, I mean, what, 10,000 years. It's, it's been uh, discovered in, in tombs, and the use is, is well-documented. Uh, what's interesting now is in the last five years or so, it, it is taken on all these different shapes, meaning you can get it fresh, of course, in, in your produce department, but you can get it packaged in, 
in jars chopped up and mint. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you can get it even roasted. And also, of course, you can get it peeled. You can get those whole cloves mm-hmm. peeled in olive oil. Nice. And it's really amazing. And I think it has a heck of a lot to do with the demand of the product is being used in so many ways. I've, I found out some pretty interesting things about garlic and researching it and talking to growers is that it is an incredible product that is demanding on the soil in the fields where it's grown. It, it just nutritionally sucks the soil. So it has to be rotated every year, and you can't come back. This is good growing practices, by the way. You, don't, you do not want to come back and have that same crop for at least three years on that wow. same soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also for pest protection, right, so, so that the yep. bugs don't find it again. But, of Precisely. course, the soil needs to recover, too, and garlic is one of those highly absorbent plants, which makes it such a powerhouse when it comes to food and nutrition. I mean, there's, you know, if you have a cold, you can, you can use garlic if, if you want to increase your sulfur intake, and uh, it has so many properties. It's really uh, a little powerhouse. Yep. And you are talking about fresh garlic right now. Yeah, and you know, in, in this day and age with blueberries and pomegranates, the antioxidants, garlic is a major champion of that, and it's antifungal, and it improves digestion and reduces blood pressure, you know, goes on and on. Wow. It's, 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 it's in its own way, it's a, it's a miracle food. Now, what's interesting with that, with that the depletion of the soil is the management of that crop in, in growing it, because the off years, either you have to have enough acreage you can grow something that you need to grow something else on that property. Mm-hmm. So it becomes an interesting management issue for a lot of growers. So what they do, a lot of them don't own, some don't own their land and they have to lease it. And it gets leased out in the off years to many times salad, uh, salad mix growers in our, the growing arugula and, and different components of a mix. So it's, it's it's interesting uh, kind of politics out in the out in the field for uh, garlic growers. And the garlic will not take uh, the the lettuce will not take on a little garlic scent to it. No, because <laughs> no, the soil no, no, actually so. the no. soil really is. Uh, if you walk through a former <laughs> garlic field, you can tell what was grown. Just, yeah. just like on yeah. it's and, really you know, there. Garlic is one of those things that it needs to be cured, not unlike uh, onions in that way, uh-huh. and it can be stored. You know, five to eight months. But it does have to be per- properly cured, so it's got to be dried, which takes uh, two to three weeks. And so it, and it's got to be harvested at the right time. If it's, if it's in the ground too long, it takes kind of a lot on that yellow look, mm-hmm. which, you, which we've all seen at one time or another. The white garlic is the most familiar. Sure. There is red garlic. And, of course, some people, you know, we've become familiar with elephant garlic, which is not really a garlic but a leek and that has a mild oh. flavor, and they're giant. They're about four times bigger than a normal garlic. Nice. Oh, I didn't realize that elephant garlic was a leek, actually, more like a leek. Well, the leek, yeah. the onion, the leek, onion, garlic, I don't think it's a family, but those are all fairly closely related Absolutely. crops. And, and, and what about green garlic? That is the other thing. that We're seeing that right now. Mm-hmm. And you've probably even seen it for the last couple of weeks, depending upon where you live and shop. But there's a period of time, maybe hmm, February through May. And what that is, they just uh, harvest part of the crop, and they designate that for, uh, for fresh usage, meaning that you still have the bulb on the bottom, but you're harvesting it before it develops into the segments, into the cloves themselves. Gotcha. 
and that way you get this fresh, springy use of the stock, and the bulbs themselves are more mild. So it's just kind of a nice introduction, a reminder of here's spring again. Bingo, we have this uh, fresh garlic. I love green garlic. I love green garlic in soup in particular. So when, yeah. you, when you shop right now and you don't go for the processed stuff, nothing bad about it, but if, if this mm -hmm. is the time of fresh garlic, this is where it's at. And uh, you want to, you know, it should feel firm and fairly heavy for its size, yep. of course, and, and, and healthy in that way. But when you get it home, what, uh, how do you store it? Do you put it back in the yep. fridge? You, can you leave it out? I sometimes find my garlic at home starting to sprout. Can I prevent that, or does it even matter? Yeah, it's best to uh, keep it cold. We're talking about a colder part of your refrigerator, and you want to keep it dry. So you could put it in plastic... Uh, Like a Ziploc, something. Yeah, Ziploc, uh, or, or, or I don't want to say, I guess so, a jar. Yeah, and so cold and dry is the best way to, to maintain that. And again, doing that, you'll have it for a very, very long time. Weeks and maybe even months, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, for months. Now, most garlic is going to be harvested in the fall. And um, so know that your best uh, way of getting it fresh is uh, late fall because it's got to be cured and stored a bit. And, and through the winter. And, and that's really, again, the perfectness of Mother Nature is that's really when you need it. So these garlic, I mean, th these garlic braids that you see sometimes, where like four or five, six or ten you know, garlic plants are woven together, that's really more decoration that won't last in your living room. Or, I mean, this is not <laughs> hung to prevent uh, vampires, but really, that's not the way to store it, really. It's pretty. Well, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you may, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a proven thing, right? I mean, people that... Uh, All over Europe, garlic, of course. Uh, there's, yeah. there's no uh, vampires around. I think it works. <laughs> well, who um, knows? <laughs> now, though, yes, that's not really for storage. It's thoroughly decoration. It's kind of a <laughs> nice Christmas gift because, again, yeah. they're harvested in the fall, and they're still very nice. Uh, through to the new year, and it's absolutely, uh, but it's kind of nice. If you don't get them too big, you can use them. If you can use that much in a matter of a month or so, it's, sure. it's, it's kind of a nice thing to have uh, in the kitchen or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th I particularly, like you said, Earl, during the wintertime, and um, I, I take garlic and make a garlic soup whenever I start to feel sick because of all of those amazing oh, so health powerful. benefits. It is really powerful, and I, and I think that that's a great way to go through all that garlic if somebody gifted you a whole 12 piece stock of it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Hey, I got to use it. How, do, how can we yeah, use right. it? Right. Garlic soup. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, spring garlic. Look for fresh garlic in your produce aisle right now. And if you don't see it yet, it might come within the next week or two or three. It's really spreading. You're saying it's growing where right now? Mostly in California, right? Well, in the United States, California definitely uh, has the largest production and organically grown. Yeah. Uh, United States produces the most within Argentina and Mexico. Mm -hmm. Now, the largest producer of garlic in general in the world is China, uh, but in terms of organic, there are certification concerns uh, yeah. for the uh, China garlic. Yeah, so stick with domestic if you can, yes. and California garlic is making its way through the country right now you on, said a, it. on a truck near <laughs> you. Check it out and enjoy that garlic, spring garlic soup. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sita, can mm. we see a recipe on Facebook yeah, for that? Probably. Maybe. Ooh. Thank you, Earl. That's so great. Wonderful. We have these yeah. fun That's topics great, of great exactly. Yes, we Thanks, will talk to you Earl. next week. Take care. Bye. So great. Yeah, actually, it's, I'm happy that you asked that, Helga, because my um, my green garlic soup is with asparagus, and it makes perfect sense Aha. because they both come out at the same time. It's we asparagus, about asparagus and quinoa just a couple and green weeks garlic. Ago with yeah. Earl.
Yeah, we did. We did. And actually, you know, garlic is something a friend of mine used to take raw, like a like a supplement whenever he was traveling overseas and was a little bit worried about getting sick. He would start every morning by taking a whole clove, not Mm -hmm. smash, not cut anything, just a whole clove as if he were taking it like a vitamin. He's also still single. Yeah. He's not, he's married. And that was just about <laughs> the hour. Uh, you're listening to and again a conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we will be back with fresh breath of new topics <laughs> next week. See you then. See you then. <laughs> bye. Bye An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.